Blog Talk Radio. Truth. In the councils of government, we must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence by the military-industrial complex. Are the Bible's prophecies today's reality? This could be the sign that signals the return of Christ. World leaders are working behind the curtains. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. Secret societies, secret oaths, secret proceedings. Now, get ready for an hour of truth that will make you think. We'll examine Bible prophecy and see how close we are to the return of Jesus Christ for His church. You're in the zone. Politics, Israel, the Middle East, the revised European superstate, and more. All in the zone. This is the Prophecy Zone with your host, Phil Armstrong.
protect the people that they are with. What do you think when that when when that comes to mind? Um, if they were to come as a guard, uh, who are the with, uh, for the people that they are with, that would mean that they are coming to protect. Um, but they are also coming to fight with uh, the, the um, people or the uh, people in their confederation. Uh, with that being said, it still shows that uh, Persia, using the word Persia, now if God wanted to use another word, he probably could have, but Persia to me shows strength. Because remember, Media of Persia, uh, if you look at the statue in Daniel chapter 2, Media of Persia. Now remember, uh, in Daniel chapter 7, I think it was, when the bear had one hind foot up and one hind foot down, Media of Persia, the, media, media, uh, the Persians were stronger than the Media, media of Persia. So uh, that shows strength. So uh, God is saying that, uh, and the word of God is saying that Persia is the second. Now, if they just Persia is second, and I don't know if that has any relevance to the listing, um, showing in alphabetical order, but they're listing Persia the second. Now, Persia is probably heading up next to Russia, the Confederation. So that means that there was a potential hit on Iran. So that means the governing, that the world body had a potential scheme to hit Iran and Turkey, or just Iran. So what I'm trying to get at is this. I'm trying to get at... Um, a lot of people thought that Iran and Israel was going to get into a war. Matter of fact, people I keep hearing people talk about the Persian War. The Bible does not say anything about a Persian a war with the Persians. But it does say in Ezekiel thirty eight, thirty nine that eventually they would get into a war with a confederation led by Russia with the Persians along with Russia. So when we look at what's going to happen in the Middle East next, I think we keep missing the point, uh, missing the, the, the clue. I believe, and I'm just going to get to the point, I believe that Israel will get into it with Lebanon, and they will get into it with those that are boarding them, then they will fight them first. Now, I believe that here, here's what I believe. I believe that the, glo the globalists, the people who really run the world, have a plan to take out Iran, the West, the, the secret societies in the West, have a plan to take out Iran in the, in the future. But here is a possibility that could happen in the next couple of days or weeks. I'm just saying could. I'm not saying it will, but I'm saying could. 
happen in the next couple of weeks. Israel fights its bordering nation. And then Israel will have victory. Now this could happen from now to going into next year or it can happen just in the next three weeks. We don't know. But the only thing you need to do is beat up the biggest bully in school, and then you're going to be able to believe you can beat everybody else. There's three more other bullies you got to have to take care of. And you're going to be the toughest guy. But if you beat up one bully and the word gets out, then that means nobody's going to mess with you, at least you think. Now, in the book of Ezekiel 38 39, there's no sign that they are living peacefully. There is a watered down peace. And, and let me read in Ezekiel 38, uh, verse 11. And thou shalt say, I will go up to the land of unwalled villages. And um, it seems to that in the news, some walls have come down in Israel. I will go to them, said our address, that dwell safely, all of them dwelling without walls and having either bars nor gates. Now, I've heard some ministries say, and they might be right, that they need some, some time for Israel to get rich and, and, and have all, you know, they have to be. I don't know where they read into this at in Ezekiel 38, 39. Now, there is a, there is a report just recently, that Israel has found oil. And they have also uh, landed gas reserves and the Mediterranean on in their land and then on their property. Of course, uh, the Lebanese and the uh, other factions are claiming that it is theirs, but most of the time, Israel has the biggest gun, so it's, it's Israel. Uh so, what is going on with the spoil that is spoken of in Ezekiel 38 and 39? Is it to take a spoil? In verse 12, it says to take a spoil and to take a prey. To turn thy hand upon the desolate places that are now inhabited. Now, it says in the last days, in the latter days, that <coughs> Israel would get into it with the people across the world, or mainly in their territory, actually. And it also says that it will come a time where God will destroy the armies that are coming against Israel. And that is coming very soon. Now, God is going to rain down fire upon the enemy of Israel. Now, I've heard a lot of people say that, well, it's not time. The players of Ezekiel 38, 39 are not ready. What are you talking about? What, what, are you, what do these people literally talk about? Now, I'm not arguing the fact that it's going to happen this year, next year, the year after that. I'm arguing the fact that a lot of people... I don't think it's. I, I don't think we're we're gonna. I think what's gonna happen uh, is that we're all gonna lose focus, and then it's gonna happen. 
like we're doing now. I think a lot of people are losing focus because they thought Iran's reactors were going to get hit. But if Iran's reactors got hit, it will start a major war. war. But I don't think that's what God is going to, or the Bible is going to... Um, I don't think the prophecies are going to turn out that way. And I said in an earlier show that I believe that Lebanon will be Israel's first target. And what they want to do is neutralize the satellite. They want to neutralize Hezbollah. They want to neutralize Hamas. They want to neutralize the Palestinian state. They want to neutralize any um, enemy besides Iran. And Israel's plan was probably to come after Iran sooner or later because if you if you listen to uh, Joel Rosen, uh, Rosenstein, I think, don't always forget his name, uh, but if you listen to this gentleman, uh, Epicenter, his book is called, uh, video is called The Epicenter, uh, uh, Joel Rosenberg, Rosenbaum, something like that, uh, if, you li- if you listen to his book, and, re- and listen to his videos, you're going to see, uh, especially in the videos, you're going to see Benjamin Netanyahu standing there. we got to take him out sooner or later. It's give it four or five years. And he, that, that was written, that was made a couple of years ago. Actually, said two or three years. So, uh, it is a possibility. That, yeah, the reason why Russia is coming as a guard with those people that they're with uh, is to protect their territory because maybe Israel, maybe there was an intelligence from Russia saying that, hey, Israel really is going to make that hit, so let's protect Iran. Now, I'm going to give you two scenarios. The first scenario is is a scenario that will be within a three-week channel. And the next scenario is a much slower scenario that can be in a, uh, a three week to three year channel, which I, I beg to differ. I don't think it's going to take that long for the Bible prophecy to come true, but who knows? Okay, the first uh, one I want y'all to think about is a smaller channel, and it's the element of surprise. It is the element that the globalists want to shock you into accepting the new world order. The globalists want to shock you into accepting the mark of the beast. The globalists want to shock you into accepting and worshiping the Antichrist. So the first element is a three-week period or less. Where, and let me paint the scenario. There are terrorist attacks, so some ship gets blown up, uh, and uh, everybody's sitting on the edge. But instead of going after Iran, Israel goes uh, starts fighting with Lebanon or Hamas or the Palestinian state or all three. And all three of these guys join in against Israel, and Israel starts smacking them. And then Psalms 83 comes into play, 
Israel neutralizes the nations, and, and well, what happens is Syria decides to start playing dirty, and Israel starts to play dirty. But see, Israel saying, "Lay down. Let me let me nuke, let me get some chemicals on you," but we're not expecting. Or it could have just be that uh, Syria is playing dirty. So they send over chemical weapons. Israel gets ticked off, drops a nuke on Damascus. But what happens is there's a, there's a small gap within a day or two when Russia responds. He said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Doesn't there supposed to be a temporary peace? Well, maybe the temporary peace agreement is just launched into the future because you have to look at Oslo Peace Accord and all these other accords that have been signed, maybe it's a, maybe those were already um, made as uh, the covenant that the Antichrist will confirm. Now, I've heard uh, some uh, in the uh, radio program say that uh, there is no peace agreement. Well, it said that the Antichrist will confirm a covenant with many for one week. And that one week is a seven-year period that will begin the tribulation period. There's no way you can get around that. And uh, a lot of people believe that, uh, hey, well, we have a, a seven-year peace accord here um, therefore, we are um, thinking that these wars, the Zuccarizzi and all these other wars, which will come into play inside of um, the tribulation period, but that is not true. As a matter of fact, um, God is uh, telling us and giving us a clue that it should take seven years to burn the weapons. And uh, that is a good clue that uh, the book of Ezekiel 38-39 is transpiring before the tribulation period begins. But we're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Connecting the dots and showing you why we are more vulnerable than ever. Greetings, fellow Americans. This is David Robertson inviting you to come be a part of an American Warning Radio, Monday through Friday, 1 to 3 p.m. Central. You've seen the pieces. Now, come see the bigger picture an American Warning Radio with your host, David Robertson, on this and many other networks that value liberty. All they're getting is mainstream media stuff. That's all they're getting, including Fox News. The American Warning Program with David Robertson, uh, just a great show. Uh, all kidding aside, the, the numbers are really going, starting to go up on that program, and I think once people realize that that's on now live Monday through Friday, 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock on this very station, you're going to be tuning in a lot more. That guy makes a lot of sense, and he's really good at what he does. And Warning. Get more information at anamericanwarning.com. That's anamericanwarning.com. Welcome to the office. Long time ground, you know. Listen as we talk about 
out our future and host Phil Armstrong examines what the scripture tells of his coming every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on the Prophecy Zone. What is the New World Order? The people who are talking about the New World Order, Bible prophecy, may be in danger. What do you need to be rapture ready? I believe that the Bible interprets the Bible and we have to stick with the Bible. How much time is left? See more at theprophecyzone.com and youtube.com slash prophecyzone. Hear more here on Blog Talk Radio every Thursday and Sunday at 7 on The Prophecy Zone. Who is the Antichrist? I believe the Antichrist will not be known until the tribulation period starts. This is The Prophecy Zone. Hmm? All right, we're back. Um... The, the verse that I've come out is in Ezekiel 39, and it's verse 9. It says, And they that dwell in the city of Israel shall go forth and shall set on fire and burn their weapons, both the shields and the bucklers, the bows and the arrows, and the hand sheaves and the spears, and they shall burn them for seven, they shall burn them with fire for seven years. So the seven years, um, which people totally ignored, literally first. The, the Bible says do not despise small things. And uh, even though you have to use the rest of the Bible to justify this little verse, this little verse right here tells you seven years to burn the weapon. should just back you back all the way to the beginning of the tribulation period, just slightly before the tribulation period begins. And um, you should be able to go from there. Um, and always remember that the Antichrist needs a platform to rise up on anyway, and this is probably it. But let me continue right quick before I bring my guest on. Um, uh, Ted Pike, must have, uh, we must have got some wires crossed, so he's not going to be on. I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm hopefully he don't end up calling the same time my next guest is going to call in. That will really be not too good. Um, anyway, the scenario that I have, will draw is that the, all this stuff will happen in a matter of between now and the first week of September, if it does happen. And uh, am I date set or no? I'm giving you for instance. Now, there's another scenario that will be drawn out a little bit later, which will say that uh, there is a, a war or a conflict in the next couple of weeks but it drags on, and I hate to use the word drag on, but we've been looking at Bible prophecy for a while, so I, I'm going to say drag on for another year or two. And, uh, and um, the book of Ezekiel war began. Now, the scenario, the first, the small, the short scenario worked better for me. 
regardless of when it happens, if it happens next year, I believe that it's going to be a time where people think it's Armageddon. And I believe it's a time where people, it could be a, a matter of the first event happening and then it'll be 10 days before the rapture of the church takes place and all, you know, all these things take place in one time when the market collapses. And I think that's the scenario. I think a lot of Bible prophecy people are missing that scenario, is that these things can happen within 10 days. You say, well, don't they have to be a peace accord so the Antichrist can come confirm a covenant? Well, those covenants have been existing for a while. Now, uh, maybe Obama will uh, uh, come and, and write it on paper, but I don't think so. Now, if, if here's the scenario. Uh, too, is that the slower scenario will work because there is a covenant that someone writes down on paper that is not, there is no time limit on it, but the Antichrist comes con to confirm for one week or seven years. So remember, if President Obama signs a deal, any time in the next couple of months, years, a week, months, or years, and this time period is no time period at all, but it's just an interim agreement. Let's not say he's the Antichrist, please, because he's not. Uh, I mean, the Antichrist, the Bible says he comes to conquer and to conquer. Uh, the people marvel after the beast. So that takes, this right here, just that one small thing takes Obama out as being the Antichrist because the whole world marvels after this person. Now, Obama has poor, he, he, matter of fact, he has the poorest uh, approval ratings of any president in history right about now at the, at the time that he's in office. So he cannot be the Antichrist because the Antichrist is going to come out squeaky clean. I mean, he's not going to have any negative. Oh, to Christians, though, who become born again in the tribulation period, yes, he will have, uh, or he will look um, like a demon. But to the rest of the world, he will be God. Now, uh, I want to also address one of the other ministries. I'm not going to name any ministry names, but this the one ministry said that there's going to be only one million people raptured. There are one million people missing in the whole world every day by kidnapping. And and the only way we know is because of statistics. It's not going to be obvious. One million people disappearing would not be obvious. The first rapture, second rapture, it will not be obvious to have just one million people raptured. Now, would it? I mean, you might want to say there is no rapture. But one million people disappear every day across the world. And they have their kidnapping rings down in Mexico. <laughs> kidnapping rings down in Mexico. So a lot of people are saying include I mean a lot of a lot of ministries say some ridiculous stuff. I really get back at my radio program sometime and I, I hear me say some ridiculous stuff, but I mean, truly, some ministries say some ridiculous stuff. Like, there are some ministries out there who are opening up seals 
and opening up trumpets and open up bowls. And to me, once you go into the seals and the trumpets and the bowls and say we we are there, we are in this this trump, or you're doing Jesus' job because in the in 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 Revelation chapter five, it asks who can break the seal, who who is worthy. If there's only one is worthy, and that's the Lamb of God, that's Jesus. So how are you going to go and say that the eighth bowl is just coming upon the earth? Well, the oil spill is the fifth trunk. You know, just making up stuff. Come on, Jesus is the only one that can break the seal. The first this first seal is broken, which opens up the rest of the seal. The seventh seal opens up the first trump, and the seventh trump opens up the first bowl. So how in the heck can you open up those seals? Those seals have to, each seal has to come in kind of in order. So there's no way you can, oh, there, there's no way. Anytime somebody says that we are in the first trump or the second trump must happen, well, we're in the, don't listen to them. Because Jesus is the only one that can break it. They, the, in the book of Revelation, he even asked, who is worthy? The Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, is worthy. Is very much worthy. So I'm hoping my uh, guest calls there, and I'm, I'm hoping there's no uh, complications here. Uh, but the next person coming on the show is Eve Blanc. He is going. He's the writer of a book called Faith, Faith Healer, and uh, this uh, book is talking about those who are claiming to be uh, uh, in the uh, Word of God, um, but are really fake. Now, I'm hoping he's not. Thinking, I'm telling him to call in at 1:30 our time. Oh, that's, that's not going to be too good. So I'm going to have to uh, actually come off and try to contact him through email if he does not um, call in in the next two minutes. Um, but I've been having blessed. I've been blessed pretty much with callers, with with guests. Um, but when it rains, it pours sometimes, and uh, hopefully. Uh, he will call in in the next few minutes, uh, and that will be really great. Um, so, yeah, he should be calling in anytime soon, so we're going to um, continue to talk. Um, now, uh, a lot of people out there do not uh, think for one minute that uh, the globalists uh, are not going to uh, start World War III because that is their chief aim, is to start World War III. And uh, the reason for it is, like I said earlier, to shock people into the New World Order uh, and to shock them into... Uh, falling for a new world order. And this new world order, matter of fact, I want to talk, my guest is um, online, so I'm going to go bring, bring him in in a few seconds, but I want to talk to him about uh, the, the the mixture. Actually, no, I'm not even going to tell you. I'm just going to bring him on. 
Hey, how you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing perfect. I'm glad you can uh, make it on. Uh, I was kind of worried there because my first guest uh, uh, didn't make it on, and uh, oh. I, I I have a bad uh, habit of not confirming. So I'm glad you I'm glad you actually communicated with me because I'm starting this week. I'm gonna start confirming. <laughs> I guess. Well, but, I, wouldn't, um, I wouldn't miss that for 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 the old world. It's it's a thank yeah, you for inviting us. Uh, thank you. Uh, you up in Canada, huh? Yes, we are. We're on the East Coast in Canada, yeah. Yes, sir. Uh, uh, we're on the West Coast. We lived in in Vancouver for, for seven years and a half. Vancouver, Canada. Oh. oh. So we know better about Washington State and all that. Yeah, Vancouver is a beautiful place. It huh? is. It is. It is a beautiful city. Yes, indeed. Tell me about your book, um, uh, Faith, Faith Healers, and how you come up with you know, to write that book. Well, it, it all started in 1992 when the Lord moved us to Orlando, Florida, to attend Benyon's church. In those wow. days, uh, Benny had a church in Orlando, about sitting about 3,000 people, and we were really led by the Lord to go to his church. So w- when we got there in, in May 1992, we started attending his church very faithfully. <clears throat> Sorry, and then on July 1st, which was uh, which is Canada Day, by the way, there was a service in church, and Benny was going to Toronto, and he wanted to know if there was any Canadian in the audience. So, of course, we stood up, and he called us on stage and, you know, uh, asked us what we're doing for a living. I told him I was a translator. And he said, well, that's good. Uh, would you like to translate my bestseller, Good Morning, Holy Spirit, into French? So uh, we did that. And then after the service, we met him in his office, and he told us that he would get us our, our green card and our working permits and that he would hire us. I mean, when I say we... I mean, my wife, myself, our son, and our daughter. So that was July 1st, 1992, and as of today, August 21st, 2010, we haven't heard from Benny yet on that subject. He was supposed to get back to us and all that. But the main thing is that uh, we attended his church for two years, but after, let's say, I would say about six or eight months, we started, you know, really looking into the healing and all and all that was going on. We we felt in our spirit that something was not from God, something was wrong, and, and definitely the time has proven us right. So after two years, uh, when we had gone through all our savings and everything, and, and we had to come back to Canada. By the way, Benny uh, brought us back to Canada, but after I have called the Canadian Embassy in Miami, and they forced Benny's ministry to send us back to Canada. and. Uh, as as nice people as they are, and uh, his brother, Benny's brother, Christopher, had a travel agency in those days in Orlando. But instead of sending us by plane, they sent us to Canada by bus. So we chose to go to Vancouver, so we traveled by bus from Orlando to Vancouver, Canada, <clears throat> which took us four days. It was quite an adventure. And then, <clears throat> sorry, in Vancouver, through the library, I started looking to faith healers and discovered a a technique, an occult practice, which is called mesmerism, which is exactly what Benny and many other faith healers use. Mesmerism is a, it, it's the capacity to raise the emotional state of a person or a crowd to an abnormal but controllable intensity. They obtain that, wow. they obtain that thing by making people sing repetitive, repetitive lyrics and repetitive songs for hours and hours. And then when the, the crowd has reached that emotional state, Benny starts implanting suggestions of healings. And, and it works because people under that 
mesmerism uh, spirit feel healed. They, they run upstage to, to, to testify about their healing, and when, as soon as the emotional state comes back to its normal level, the, the, the healing is gone. There, there, there's, no, there's no healing. Healings never happen in Benyon's Crusades. So after we've discovered that, we, we, we uh, wrote a book. The first version had 116 pages. Uh, that was in 1997 or 98, if I'm not mistaken. And then after a couple of years, we rewrote it and, and added some stuff, and now it has 232 pages. And it reveals the true face of the fake faith healers, the techniques they use and, and the lies that false prophets like Benin say to people and, and the way they manipulate people only for one main reason, that is to get money from them. Yes, yes indeed. Now, the uh, church movement um, that are into these movements, uh, how, how, do they, how do you think they will intertwine with the Antichrist and um, his uh, ministry, because it says in Matthew 24 that many should come in my name saying, I am Christ. Now, the New Age movement mm-hmm. has, uh, uh, for instance, a movement. I remember the one lady, uh, what's her name? Uh, she's an actress, and she was on the beach, and she was saying, I am Christ, I am Christ. And I've heard um, some of the people on TBN uh, talk about they are Christ, or as a matter of fact, I had uh, when I used to go to, uh, to a specific church, uh, we, were, we were sitting in a meeting, mm-hmm. and I had my, I was reading a book or something. I don't know. I was I don't know what I was doing, but uh, the, the the person that was in here, he's one of the pastors. He was the head of the meeting. He was saying, "Did you know you guys know we are we are Christ?" And then I, I was like thinking he was saying we belong to Christ or something like that. Mm-hmm. But it turns out that he, he was saying that we are Christ. Well, the Bible is very clear that in the last days, a lot of people would come up and say they're Christ. And, and, and yes, even yes. if they perform miracles or healings, they're not Christ. Because the day that Christ will come back, everybody will know. And, and be sure it's really going to be the real Christ. But there's a lot of people out there saying they're Christ. And that they are sent by God or, or prophets of God. And it's, it's, it's all a scheme to deceive people. And, and also these people, the New Age movement, or any movement, it's it's always the same thing. It's always to reach gullible people and get money from them. That's the name yeah. of the game is money. And yeah. because religion has never been God has never they never talked about religion. God never in the Bible does the word religion mentioned. Religion is from men, and it, it's a, a a tactic to control the minds and the the the, the money of the people. Either it be yeah. Catholicism or any kind of religion or denomination, as a matter of fact. So, policing the flock. <laughs> That's right, policing the flock. That's true, and, it, 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 and they make it so easy, you know. Uh, like their hundredfold uh, uh, promise, like, you know, if you give, uh, well, God will give you back a hundredfold. I'm sure you heard yeah. that very often. Well, if that yes. was true, why doesn't guys like Benian or Morris Cerullo send a hundred dollars to each of their members or partners, yes. and they would get a hundredfold return back, right? Yeah, that was true. Yes, indeed. <laughs> but uh, it, yeah. it doesn't work that way. God, God, of course, God will honor your giving, but the hundredfold teaching, like the prosperity teaching, it's 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 not biblical. It's it, it's only the the guy that preaches it, and it's immediate circle that makes money. All the rest are you know, starving to death to give them money. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. That is that that is crazy. 
Benny Hinn, is he is he uh, a closet Catholic? He was he was raised Catholic uh, up to his uh, early teens when he lived in in, in Jaffa. Uh, he's not he's he's Palestinian, by the way. He was born in Jaffa, and he was raised in the Catholic faith. And that as as he is still very Catholic minded because in in our book we talk about a few examples where you went to a uh, convent in Sault Ste. Marie, Canada, a Catholic convent, and he, he said that in that meeting a lot of miracles have happened, but the mother superior of the convent denied all the facts. And then another time, he and his good friend, Jean Polino, and all his inner circle went to a place in, in Germany, a, a Roman Catholic uh, cemetery or sorts of shrine, if I remember correctly. And, and Polino uh, said that he felt there an anointing like he had never felt nowhere, even if he was uh, very close to Ben. And so Ben is very close to Catholicism. He had in his office a photo of him with, with John Paul II. And lately, as yeah. you know, probably he was in Rome with Paula White, and he visited yeah. the Vatican. So he's, yeah. he's very Catholic, and he's, he's uh, and it shows in, in his in his in his teaching because he always said that you know if you want to reach God or if you want your prayers to be answered, let me pray for you. Well, we all know that yeah. if we pray personally to God, we don't need guys like Benian or a Catholic priest or anybody. By the way, as a matter of fact, you know, we, you, when you're you're saved by God's grace, you talk to God directly. You don't need Benian to pray for you, right? Amen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, wow. What do you uh, know about Mer, uh, Merle Sorello? I think I'm saying this right. Merle Sorello. Well. We first time we saw Maurice Cerullo, it was in, in in Montreal. He came in at a meeting. There was about 300 people. He was not very popular in those days. Then, in 1993, he held his annual conference in Orlando, Florida, and of course we were there in those days. And we attended the cruise the, his uh, his uh, meeting for seven days, and uh, it's all in the book. What I'm gonna what I'm gonna relate to you. Our daughter, which is a very beautiful girl, by the way met a man by the name of Raymond Mui, who is uh, Maurice Cervolo's Asian crusade director. Like if Cervolo goes to Asia, Mui is the guy that organizes his crusades. So in Orlando, our daughter met Raymond Mui, and in those days, uh, Mui claimed that uh, he was he was uh, on the verge of divorce with his wife, and, and you know, he wanted to, uh, he felt Melanie was, was a, a girl called uh, by God to help him and all that, and they got engaged in Orlando. Mui and our daughter got engaged in Orlando. But what we didn't know was that Mui was not even divorced, and his wife was in Malaysia looking for him. So, wow, uh, wow, wow. and that's not the end of the story. Before we learned the truth, uh, Mui asked if we could bring our daughter and to Asia, you know, so that she could learn the trade and be a good pastor's wife. And we said, okay, she'll go, but her brother will go with her. So he took our son and daughter to Asia. They spent, I would say, seven weeks there. And one morning, Mui ran away. He left them in Singapore and, and with wow. a uh, hotel bill that he didn't pay for. And Mui went and ran away from these people. And afterwards, we learned the truth, what the real face yeah. of him and Mui was. But the worst part of it is that we, we've talked to, uh, after that thing happened, that sad thing happened, we spoke with, with uh, people from our Cerulo's ministry. Of course, Cerulo didn't want to talk to us. So we spoke with his right-hand man. We spoke with John Avenzini. I don't know if you know of John Avenzini. Uh, yeah. he, he's a pre- press party teacher. We spoke with Robert Stearden, 
and and they all these people they all took the part they all took for movie. They didn't give a damn about our daughter and our son being hurt and our about our feeling. They all said that well you know it's movie and and we're going to bring him him to counseling and everything will be all right. And and, and, and and you know of course we were not right. We didn't have we were wrong to let our daughter get engaged with that man. But in those days, yeah. you know, we, we still believe in those crazy prosperity teachings and all that crap. So, but that that's a re- that was a real, real hard part of our of our Christian walk. I mean, uh, you know, it has hurt us a lot. It has hurt our family a lot. So more risk so low, well, I guess it's a, a, a D minus <laughs> for him. <Yeah. laughs> he's, he's, a, he's, 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 he's known as the godfather in the Christian ministries. Oh, yeah? Oh. Like if Benny Benin has a problem, or they all go to Cerulo because he knows all all the tricks and all the gimmicks. Every time Cerulo holds a crusade, or even Benin, if they hold a crusade, let's say in in uh, let's say uh, in, in Washington State, like uh, any any big city in Washington State, all yeah. everything is paid in advance. It's all everything is paid for when they get there. It's all covered. Then they get on stage and they say to people, "Well, you know, it's costing us a lot of money." So we're going to take yeah. an offering to pay for the expenses of the crusade, which is a lie because yeah. everything's paid in advance. So they they they, yeah. uh, they work that way. Wow, <laughs> that is that is crazy. Um, you know, do you know Price? Uh, what's his name? Uh, Price. I can't remember his first name though. Fred Price. Uh, yeah. You mean yeah. the 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 uh, the guy that that uh, said that. Uh, it feels good to sit in a Rolls Royce and collecting tights on a Sunday morning. Is that the Oh yes. yes, yes, The one that had a, um, uh, uh, you know, so Susan Posey, all right. The one you've been on her show before. That's um, true. She, she has on her uh, web or on her page a uh, a, a video of Price being uh, coordinated or whatever you call it. Uh, he's being honored. Right. And it's so much like a uh, Catholic ceremony. You, uh, you would think the black you think you would think he was a black pope. Mm-hmm. Right, that's true. <laughs> well, there, there's I mean, you know, I don't know too much about him because I have never you know whatever we we say or write about about people, it's all documented. and We all have the facts and proof. So, Fred Price, I'm not. I don't know too much about him except that what he said that one day that it feels good to sit in a Rolls Royce on a Sunday morning and to collect eyes of the people. But uh, yeah. that's all I know crazy. about it. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. The whole uh, church world uh, in that area, in that faith movement area, seems to be uh, deceived, uh, and awful. their followers also. <clears throat> it's awful. One of our, our dear brother, who's a guy from an architect from Malaysia, who has the oh. the uh, the rights for our book in all Asia. Uh, it was yeah. writing to us and telling us that in Asia, it, it, it's, it's the same. It, it is the churches, like in Singapore and all, the biggest churches are all part of the faith movement. They're all part of yeah. prosperity teaching. So it's all, all over the world. It's, it's no wonder why Benny goes to, to Africa or to uh, Uganda, because it's, it's there also, in South America also. So it's all over the world, that, that, faith, that faith movement, that's prosperity teaching. Yes, because it, it, it's, it's one of the easiest way for a man to make money. He comes up on stage, tells a lie, you know, and, and looks good, and has uh, 
charisma, and, and then everybody falls for him, and then he collects money and goes on and on. When Benyon started, uh, I'm quite sure that it is, 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 his art was pure. And then one day he attended Catherine Kuhlman's meetings, and then there was a, a, a spirit of transfer. That's how when he started to use mesmerism. Because after that, after Benny attended Kuhlman's meetings, uh, Catherine Kuhlman tried to uh, hold meetings, but she, she would touch people and they would not fall. She had lost all her, all her mesmeric capacities, and, and she, she, she couldn't do it anymore. Of course, because it was all transferred to Benyon. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. The demonic forces love <laughs> any hand. Ah, uh, wow. This is a uh, a uh, uh, really sensitive topic when you uh, look into the church world because a lot of people are looking the other way. That's true. They're put and, and they're also putting uh, 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 teachers who itch their ears mm-hmm. and uh, get. And give, give, we used to have a saying in the army, give the people what they want. Right. And that's exactly what they're doing. Even in our political realm, even the politicians are giving the people what they want. That's true. Um, and, but, the, but the thing is, the sad thing is that uh, uh, pretty soon uh, the people are going to uh, figure it out. Uh, and it might not be now, but it's going to be later. Uh, yeah. And the, and the, these ministries are going to be destroyed. Yeah. I, I, I see that coming. Yeah, well, it, uh, probably it's coming. I'm quite sure it's coming. But you know one thing: people go to church because they they listen to sermons that they that they, that does not challenge them. The guy yeah. up there on the pulpit gives them cute little cute little sermons, not life challenging because he doesn't want to lose people. Because if you lose people is going to lose tight, right? So he gives them cute little sermons. And then those, I'm not saying all the Christians are like that, but many Christians, when they come back from church on Sunday morning, put their Bible on on the the top shelf. And next Sunday, they dust it off, bring it back to church. A lot of Christians do not read their Bible faithfully and daily and do not pray. They rely only on what the man, the pulpit is telling them. Yeah, yeah. But you know, the Bible says that you got to go and test the spirit. And and when you listen to a pastor preaching and you go back home, you go into your Bible, look at the verses, see if he's preaching the real truth. That's the yeah. only way that, that people will get out of that that faith movement. As The day they will start to study their Bible, ask God to help them, ask the Holy Spirit to lead them, then they will learn the truth. And then they will be able to get out of those churches. Yeah, like one of the pastors told uh, the same guy I was talking about earlier. I told the church that uh, you guys, if you need if you need a healing, just just say say it over and over again. Just chant. Yeah, healing is salvation. salvation. It's free. Yes, indeed. Yes, Paid indeed. on the cross by Christ. <clears throat> Paid cash <Yeah. clears throat> once by Christ on the cross. So healing and salvations are free. There's no way you can buy you can buy a miracle, and there's no way you can buy your salvation, regardless of what Catholicism say. You cannot. You know, when we uh, when we uh, attended Benny's church, and and we were really in a in a poor condition. The last we 
spent two years there. The last year, as we, you know, had lost of all, all our savings, we had to stay in in rescue missions and, and in awful places. And and Benny knew about our condition because he knew, you know, you, I wish that you would have come to me and said, listen, brother, I made a mistake. You know, I was wrong. I cannot help you. Please forgive me. But he chose, yeah. he chose to stay silent. And the Bible is very clear. The Bible says, don't oppress the stranger. We were strangers in Orlando. And it's quite ironic because when Benny moved from from uh, Jaffa, he moved to Canada. And it's because we Canadians voted laws that accepted immigrants that he could come to Canada. But us, as Canadians, in the state, as strangers, he oppressed us. <laughs> so, you know, it's... It, 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 it's it, it's not it, it's walk the walk. It's not talk the talk. You know, it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't say what he says he's going to do. And that's yeah. not only for us. That all his prophecies are, are are way out. His prophecies have never 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 happened. Not well, I have I have tons of his prophecies on tapes, and all the things he says it has never 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 happened. Uh, yeah, like like Cuba's president is supposed to have died a while back. <laughs> Yeah. Fidel Castro. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. In, in the 90s, it would die. Castro was on TV last week. He's 84. <laughs> Someone along the way missed the boat, and and then yeah. Benny also said that God would destroy the the uh, homosexual community, homosexual community. Well, for what he has done in Uganda, I mean, you know, he was way out there too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's just that's towing the boat, rowing, yeah. rocking the boat too much, man. Yeah, this is, <laughs> the problem with, with Benny and, and many others, it's because they, they are up to a point that everybody believes them, well, everybody in their inner circle believes them. Nobody will tell him, Benny, what you said is not biblical because they will lose their position and all, and all the benefits that come with it. So and, and they've come to a point that Benny believes that what he says is, is, is from God and is right. That because nobody... Yeah. Exhorts him. Nobody tells him, you know, hey, Benny, you're, you're, you're out of line. Nobody dares to do that because, you know, who wants to lose his position? Who wants to lose a job that makes, as you travel all over the world, all over the world, expenses paid, you know? So they shut their mouth and they agree, and yes, Pastor Benny, yes, Pastor Benny, and, and they will have to answer to God. Yeah. Because the Bible says if your brother says or does something wrong, go to your brother and tell him. And if it doesn't change, <clears throat> go to with, to him with a witness. And if this does, if nothing happens, then go to the church, right? That's yeah. what the Bible says. So it's they're not easy. biblical. They're totally yeah. unbiblical. Yeah. yeah. And these are the well, guys. That, yeah, go ahead, please. Oh, oh, go ahead. You finish up. Oh, go ahead. Oh, then go ahead. Okay, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm, okay, go ahead. You can go ahead. I've, I've, oh, okay. I've, you have sent yeah. us. Oh, oh. Well, I'm going to ask you one more question. Yeah. Uh, and I guess I should have asked you this earlier. But, uh, do, do you um, believe that the Paula White thing was true? Yes. Okay. <laughs> because because it, I'll tell you why. It is, I believe it's true because it is a cover-up. For his homosexuality. Oh wow! Wow! That's wow, well, I, we have. We, yeah. uh, you've seen our website, have you? 
Uh, no, actually, I, I had it, and then I, I dropped it somewhere. I don't know where it is, on my email somewhere. What is it? Uh, okay, I'll give it back to you. So it's www, of course, fakefatehealers.000space.com. Okay. okay. And then we have, okay. we have their brand new article on, on Benny's uh, escapade to Rome with Paula White. You know that wow. Paula White was, you know she was divorced twice, right? Uh, I didn't. I knew it once, but I didn't know it was twice. Yeah, it was when she married Randy White, she, she was already divorced. Wow. So if, if she remarried as a Christian, she's an adulterer because the Bible says Christians that divorce cannot remarry. Wow. That is um, crazy. Yeah, the the whole church world is going berserk. <laughs> of course. But I, I, I I I enjoy uh, you being on the show. I would like to try to get you off for a, a, a lot a lot longer. I um I sort of didn't have uh, my all my questions that I wanted to ask you lined up, I, and I only have all my ducks in order. But, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I, I would love to get you back on and just have you on for about an hour. And this okay. time I have more. I go through your website and I have more specific. Your, your, your time your time will be our time. Whenever you're ready to have us back, just send me an email, and, and we'll be okay. ready. Okay, people thank can, you so much. People can get thank the books you. on Amazon.com if they want to read the yeah. book. And uh, yeah, it was yeah. a blessing, brother. Yeah, and that book is called uh, Faith, uh, Fake Faith Healers. It's called Behind the Scenes, The True Faith oh, of Fake Faith Healers. Okay, okay. All right. And pronounce your name again so they can... No, uh, they want to tell their buddies. Is Yai Blount? Is that how you pronounce your name? Brault, yeah. B R A U L T. Brault. Okay. And Eve yeah. is like Eve Saint Laurent. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank. You. Okay, brother. Thank, thank you. you. God bless God you. Bless. Bye-bye. See you later. That was a great interview. Um, uh, Pray for his ministry to um, go forth and proclaim the truth. Uh, there's a lie going out there, uh, and uh, we need to bring that into the light. Um, bring it from darkness to light. That people will not and uh, dive over a cliff and enter hell, because the Bible says that uh, hell has enlarged itself, and uh, a lot of these false teachers are. Um, holding hands with a large amount of cash and holding their convert's hand over and they're all going into a cliff, um, going over the cliff into the pits of hell. Um, I want you guys to go ahead and read uh, uh, Jeremiah 23, verses 9, all the way to the end of the chapter. And it talks a lot about false prophets. Um, but uh, we're going to take a, um, a little break, and we will be back with our next guest, Nathan Jones from um, the, the ministry, Lambs and Lions ministry, and they proclaim the soon coming of Jesus Christ. Uh, so sit back, relax, and we got one more hour uh, to... Talk to our next guest. We'll be back.
What you just heard was an actual recording of my daughter's heartbeat within my womb. And ever since my husband Jeff saw our moving, active, vibrant daughter by way of live ultrasound image and heard her precious heartbeat within the womb, he's been horrified that we as a society legally kill our children at this stage of life. As a society, we legally kill our children. This is the greatest human rights issue of our day. To join in the conversation Fridays 9 to 11, visit WeKillChildren.org and find the show. That's WeKillChildren.org. Now, we don't go blowing up people and killing our enemies because God never told us to do so, but we're literalists in our interpretation of what the Bible says. We believe it verbatim, we believe it verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and we live accordingly. So why is that so hard to believe that Muslims would do the same because the Quran puts no limitations on the violence and the war against those who stand opposed to Islam, where the, the Bible and the New Testament, especially in grace under which we live, Jesus never mandates that we do such a thing. So, you know, they're literalists and we are literalists. Theirs causes them to be violent. Rapture Ready Radio, live on Tuesday and Saturday, and the BB Report live on Thursday. Visit www.raptureadyradio.com for more show information. Hey, everybody out there, my name is Phil Armstrong, and I'd like to invite y'all to join us on the Prophecy Zone every Thursday and Sunday as we talk about the soon coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're going to talk about war and genocide, the mark of the beast, Israel, Middle East peace talks, Middle East wars. We're going to be talking about things like the end time generation that we live in because we are living in the final way to join us on the Prophecy Zone.
lift up Jesus and draw people to him as Lord and Savior. The ministry was established for the purpose of proclaiming the soon coming of Jesus Christ. We do not believe, the ministry says, it is possible to know the date when Jesus returns, but we do believe that it is possible to know the season. Uh, the message of the ministry is directed at both believers and non-believers to the unsaved, and um, uh, the ministry says, flee from the wrath that is to come by fleeing into the loving arms of Jesus. To believers, the ministry says, commit yourselves to holiness as you await the appearance of uh, your blessed hope. And that is so true. Uh, the, 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 the coming of the Lord is a purifying hope, folks. And I, and, I, and I think people misunderstand that. And, 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 and people, like I even talked to some people that's on fire for God, and they'd be like, uh, well, just, I'll just uh, continue on. Jesus can come at any minute, any moment. Just continue, you know, just um, look for his coming at any moment, which is true. But see, with me, I believe this, and, and I'm bringing my next guest on, is um, if the coach doesn't tell the players when the game is, you're not going to be ready. And there are a lot of coaches in the Christian realm <laughs> telling nobody nothing about the second coming. Uh, I've been to, and I, and I am a professional church hopper right about now, but I finally found my church. Uh, uh, and I think if you're going to shop for a house, you might as well go ahead and shop. If you go to the first house and you fall in love, that's fine. But if you go to the first house and you trick yourself and you say, I'm in love with this house, i got to buy it, when you really don't like it, uh, you have to be able to test the spirit. You can't just drop into any church, folks. That's what gets people in trouble. But anyway, I'm going to read the rest of the um, ministry. Uh, the, the, the ministry proclaims its message in a variety of ways. One is um, the most uh, significant is through, they have a television program called Christ and Prophecy. This program is broadcast nationally over Daystar and a national NRB and Church Channel Network. Uh, the ministry conducts meetings all over the country. Um, but uh, and, and their chief aim is to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is the number one thing we can ask for among true Bible-believing um, people. But anyway, um, without further ado, we're going to bring uh, Brother Nathan on. Are you there? Yes, good to be here, Philip. Good to have you here. Good to have you here. I um, don't really have um, any specifics from your website, so I'm just be asking you questions that uh, that is uh, transpiring across the world as far as Bible prophecy is concerned. We'll go from there. Um, the uh, la a couple of things that uh, uh, I want you to kind of look at is uh, Israel becoming a nation, and are we in the end time? Simple question, but <laughs> go ahead, and we'll go from there. Oh, there's no doubt. Uh, Israel becoming a nation again in May of 1948 is one of the biggest fulfillments of Bible prophecy and a clear indicator that we're living in the end times. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Uh, so is this the generation that will see Jesus coming? Well, <laughs> 
A lot of people write in. Uh, part of my uh, ministry at Lamb and Lion, of course, is web ministry. Uh, you and I, you know, we, we spend our time sharing the gospel to the 2 billion-plus people out there on the Internet. And a yeah. lot of people want to know, are we the generation that, that Christ is talking about? Uh, it's a parable of the fig tree, for instance, where Jesus talked about the fig tree rebutting, and the fig tree is a, a symbol of Israel, Israel rebutting. Uh, you find it in Hosea 9.10 and Jeremiah 24.1-10 and Joel 1.7. All talk about Israel as a fig tree. And in Matthew 24, Jesus said that we need to look to the fig tree to reblossom and become a nation once more. If you go to Ezekiel 37, the dry bones, the dead country, becoming alive again and a nation once more. And that's what we're seeing in Israel. And since Israel became a nation in 1948, it's fought a number of wars. And each time, just a, a few people with uh, old guns sitting on kibbutzes were able to take down armies. So God is definitely in it. Uh, is at the Institute of Holy Land, uh, excuse me, the uh, Temple Institute in Jerusalem, and our guide says that when they, uh, armies went into Gaza a few years back, a few oh. years back, that uh, the casualty rate was 32 to 1 for the Gazans, which the world condemns oh. Israel for, but to Israel, it was telling them, hey, the Lord is with us. So even if they don't believe in God, and especially Yeshua as Messiah, they definitely believe that God is with them right now. And so Israel has rebutted. It's a nation once more. Uh, they've got a wealth of Dead Sea um, minerals, and uh, they've got uh, good control of the diamond exports there. They found tons of natural gas off the coast of Haifa and another report yeah. this week. So Israel is, is very wealthy now, and the Middle East wants that wealth. Russia especially wants that wealth. They've got the fourth largest standing army in the world, and yeah. uh, they are a force to be reckoned with, and they will continue to be a force to be reckoned with if Psalm 83 happens, uh, the it's the psalm, it's a, a prayer that Israel will destroy the surrounding hostile nations. And that looks very likely yeah. to happen at any moment. And then later, yeah. Ezekiel 38 and 39 is a prophecy about the Gog-Magog War. That's Russia, Iran, Turkey, Libya, and some other nations coming against Israel and God supernaturally destroying through hail and fire and earthquakes and infighting between the armies that the world may know there is God. And that's when Israel, who has been reformed again back into a nation, will get their spirit back. They'll have a belief in God once more. There shouldn't be any secularists or atheists. Uh, secular humanism is very big in Israel. And uh, that will be no more. Now, they, they won't accept Jesus as Messiah until the end of the upcoming seven-year tribulation called the time of Jacob's trouble in Jeremiah 30. But we do know that uh, Israel is still developing into a nation, and eventually, when Jesus comes back and sets up his millennial kingdom, uh, the, those believing Jews will become a priesthood for the Lord at that time. Amen, amen. Uh, so you do believe that um, uh, 90, uh, actually, let me reverse that. Psalm 90 addresses a 70-year uh, life, lifespan. And if you're lucky to live uh, eight, is that Psalms covering um, the generation that maybe uh, is alluding to uh, Israel's return to their land? Uh, could that be the length of the generation? Um, and it, it, could it be a specific, the God is being specific about the generation? That really depends. <laughs> on how you define generation. Uh, in the Bible, for a while, it was 120 years, and then it became three score and ten, which is 70 years. And that's a generally held. Uh, a generation can also be a time period, like 100 years. A generation can also be an age. And in 
identifiable, you can also find a generation as a race. So there are yeah. a number of interpretations that you can take. Uh, people that take uh, 40 years, for instance, as a generation, you know, because by the time you're 40, you usually have kids and, and all. They say, well, okay, well, in 1967, when Israel took Jerusalem, that was the day that is, uh, we start the clock in 40 years, and that would be 2007. Well, you know, we're already past 2007. We're getting very yeah. close to 70 years. Uh, it was 1948, so we're talking about um, uh, 62 years. They just uh, Israel celebrated their 62nd anniversary. And so people say, okay, it will be 63 years and then seven years for the tribulation. That will make our 70 years. But it, it really is a guess. For me, I particularly believe that he's talking about the generation, that the, that age that sees it coming in, the 20th century, that saw Israel become a nation once more, will be the generation that sees Jesus come. I, I'm not really sure it means exactly seven years, but I think it's the time period, uh, the end time period. It's a number of years, not particularly a set time of years, although the Bible does give us set time of years. We know there's seven years in the tribulation. We know there's a thousand years of Christ's reign. So, um, But, yeah, I would side with that, that it's the time period of Israel becoming a nation once more. Yeah, I, I sort of look at it as if when Jesus was saying that, that if a baby was born in 1948, uh, uh, people, people, there are a lot of elderly people walking around. I'm not saying it's not, but um, and a lot of people make it to 980. Well, not a lot of people, but a good number of people I've seen. And the old folks on my wife used to work in are above 70 years old. As a matter of fact, my mom is. But my father didn't make it. He died at 52. And uh, my auntie, yeah, my auntie actually passed away too. A lot of my aunties passed away before they you know, and uncles before they even got close to seventy. So I'm thinking what it means is that uh, a lot of folks that is born in 1948, uh, some of those people will not pass away. Uh, that generation, the oldest person, will not pass away until that uh, until uh, the things that were written in the Bible. Um, come to fulfillment. But anyway, um, well, if you look the, at, uh, go ahead. Well, if you look at the Jews being in exile from 582 or 586, excuse me, and on, it was 70 years. And when they returned back to see Jerusalem crumbled and fallen apart, the people who would remember Jerusalem in its heyday wept and cried. So there was a 70 year time period there, and the older people who were children at the time when uh, they went into captivity remember that, and most likely that's the same thing today. The people that were children in the 1940s uh, will remember when Israel became a nation once more and see God return to it within their lifetime. Amen. Hallelujah. That is good. Uh, the rapture of the church. Uh, you guys are pre-made uh, or post, and uh, when do you guys see it happening uh, according to the, what you read in the Word of God? Oh, I think the Bible makes a very, very strong case for that the uh, rapture of the church, that taking up of believers to heaven with Jesus will happen before the tribulation comes. And I have many reasons for that. Actually, I even wrote an article, 11 reasons why Jesus will come back before the tribulation. And I'd be happy to cover any of those if you'd like. But, uh, yes, our uh, Lamb and Lion Ministries takes a strong stand. Uh, you know, We don't believe that fellowship should be broken over different points of end-time views and of course, end-time views aren't essential doctrine, but uh, and the Bible doesn't clearly say, but I think it gives us enough evidence to say that Jesus will return before the tribulation. Well, I don't, I don't have, I mean, I, 
I have brothers and sisters on here. I'm pre-trip, but I have brothers and sisters on here that's not. And um, those guys are okay. But there's a lot of other brothers and sisters um, or uh, people, I just say people for this uh, explanation, that um, the people who are pre-trib, I notice, never go looking for the people who are um, post. Uh, But the people who are... uh, or do not think there's a rapture, always come looking for the pre to call us heretic. So the, <laughs> you notice the that proof, too, huh? Yeah, the proof is in the pudding. I believe, I believe the true, if you just sit back, and this is not, I'm, I'm probably pretty sure I can find it in the Bible somewhere, but this is not 100, you know, it's not coming straight out of the pages of the Bible, but you can tell by the fruit on the tree who is right and who is wrong. Because with me, I don't go chasing after someone who does. Now, I do explain it this way, though. I, talk, I look at the Bible, and I, the Bible says do not despise small things. So, but it also says line upon line and precept upon precept. But sometimes you can take an obvious scripture or an obvious thing, like, for instance, in Revelation uh, chapters 1, 2, and 3 mention the word church 19 times. And after chapter 4, the word church is no longer mentioned until way at the end of the book of Revelation. Yeah, when Jesus uh, Yeah, with 10,000, 10,000 of his saints. And even the Antichrist gives you a clue. I mean, why is he fussing at people that are in heaven? I mean, I mean, I mean just little bitty things. Uh, it, 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 and it's just like, for instance, when is the book of Ezekiel 38 and 39? Well, if you take that little bitty verse, verse 9 of Ezekiel 39, you might be, just get a little clue. You might need to use precept, line upon line, precept upon precept. But if you take that little bitty verse that says it takes seven years to burn the weapons, you might be able to get, you at least got part of the puzzle. Just find some more scripture to verify that one little thing. But it places the book of Ezekiel before tribulation period. There are things in the Bible that people just straight up ignore. Well, most posters uh, I find are really into the view that Ezekiel 38 and 39 is Armageddon. And uh, like yeah. I said, they're, they're yeah. very militant. We have a, a blog called uh, uh, the Christ and Prophecy Journal. It's at lamblion.us. And I tell you, I can post anything, and we'll get our normal audience, but if I say anything about the timing of the rapture, all of a sudden out of nowhere, all these post trib supporters come out and you know, with all their tech, and they just want to beat you with it. And uh, I, uh, I think I figured four reasons why they believe that. For one, they believe to have a pre-trib rapture would give those who've been riding the fence a second chance to accept Jesus as Savior. And I've heard that repeatedly from Seventh Day Adventists. So it comes, a, it's kind of reminiscent of a child's argument. It's not fair. And so, but Jesus told us the story that the wage earner who arrives at the beginning of a shift gets the same payment as the one who arrives at the end of the shift. And so yeah. God is always unfair and humanized, but. You know, that's, that's the case. And second, I've heard their supporters say that Christians are apostate and evil, and only by enduring a form of, like, Protestant purgatory for seven years will the church cleanse itself and be ready for Jesus. But yeah. considering you read about the tribulation and the billions of people that are obliterated by the end of the tribulation, there's nothing to purify. We'd all be dead. I mean, the Christians yeah. would be martyred like crazy during tribulation. Third, yeah. uh, there's a certain nobleness to being a martyr for Christ. And a chance that many post-millennialists—excuse uh, me, post-tribulationalists—don't want to lose. Uh, you know, but we're saved by grace, and they feel that there's got to be some kind of work involved to prove themselves. So it it kind of makes them like 
jihadists in a way, kamikaze post-tribulation rapture, as I call them. Uh-huh. And there's uh-huh. a fourth reason, and uh, our friend over at Rapture Ready, Terry James, brought this one up in one of his yeah. articles. I think it was really good. He said, I believe it flows from satanic rage that affects even the born again. I'm convinced it's because Satan hates Israel and the Lord's plan to save remnants out of Israel and out of his creation called man in general. And those who are whole, invective, are deluded in denial. I don't doubt their salvation, but I do doubt their faithful adherence to God's prophetic word. They prefer man-made eschatology, and that is given not by the Holy Spirit, by Lucifer, the fallen one. So he's saying there, Terry's saying that even Christians can be influenced by this, this rage and this hatred that Israel has a uh-huh. special place. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. Those are some of the reasons, I think, that the post-tribbers really believe it, and they fight so hard. You know, I, I don't spend my time on post-trib websites arguing with them, <laughs> but they yeah, have a lot exactly. of time on our websites, and I think they're trying to convince themselves because they don't want to lose the chance to be martyred. And for some of them that are a little, I mean, I'm very nice to them, and I always welcome them, but... Uh, for those who are really militant, I say, if you really want to die a martyr, there are many countries you can go to. Fly there, stand on the street corner, say, Jesus is Lord, Allah is Satan, and there yeah. you go. You got your martyrdom. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Uh, let me ask you a question, brother. Um, have, you, have you ever seen a person who believes that the rapture uh, happens and the end of the tribulation period ever say, I me, myself, I have not. Have come to a preacher person and say, you know what, I hope you're right. I've had a few. Uh, there's one uh, gentleman, his name is uh, uh, Mitchell, Terry Mitchell, and yeah. he writes in quite frequently. He's very, uh, very post-trib in his views, and he'll frequently yeah. say, I hope you're all right. You know, he. there are some that that have studied it, and they feel that's the conclusion based on their interpretation of certain verses, which I think are a lot of a long stretch. But they, they do yeah. hope, because any sane person doesn't want to involve 21 plagues from God that <laughs> annihilate the world, and then in the meantime, to be tortured and killed because of your faith in Christ by the Antichrist, to not be able to buy and sell and see your family starve to death, and to live yeah. through nuclear holocaust. I mean, who in their right mind wants to live that, unless... You have a martyr complex. And I find, yep. you know, God bless them, some of them do. They have a martyr complex. Boy, I was uh, sitting in a Bible study once, and uh, this guy just, he, he could tell he's dying to say something. He was a guest. And he stood up yep. and real loudly says, when the Antichrist comes for you and he chops your head off, don't turn away from God. Just let him chop your head off. Just let him chop your head off. And the whole class was silent. They're like, what <laughs> in the world? I mean, he just, this guy just had it bottom. He, he was just dying to get his head chopped off for Christ. So I think uh, Christians have their own, if I can use the word, jihadist, too. They they feel that uh, martyrdom will, will give them favor to God, but that that's not the case. Uh, I think the, the Bible is very clear. If, if I give a little background to your listeners who, who might not know what the rapture is, uh, if you go to 1 Thessalonians 4.17, it reads, After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Now, we get the word rapture from the term to be caught up. It uh, means to snatch away or take out. Uh, picture yourself, you're going to pick up that pizza, you, you snatch it off the table at Pizza Hut, you bring it home, and you know that's what God's going to snatch us from heaven. He's going to bring us home. And uh, the original, the Bible you know, was written in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic, and to be caught up was the word harpezo, 
when it was translated into Latin, which is the Latin Vulgate, which is the only Bible we had for 1,100 years, the, uh, the word was rapio, and that's where we get the term rapture. So for those who say, ah, you can never find the rapture in the Bible, that doesn't make sense, it's not true. Rapture's there, it's just the Latin word for will be caught up. But it's easier to say uh, where the church will be raptured versus the church will be caught up, or, you know, so you can do that. But there are yeah. a number of other texts. If you read John 14, 1 through 4, Luke 21, 36, 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18, and even in the Old Testament, there's some hints to it. Isaiah 26, 19 through 21, Malachi 3, 17, all hint to the rapture. But yeah. believers in Christ, I think the best thing is they, there's other verses that say the church will be spared the wrath of God. Now, this is where some people, I think, get it mixed up. They look at the rapture, and then they look at the tribulation and say, well, you know, Christians have been suffering for 2,000 years in, in the hands of the lions and the emperors, and uh, even today uh, the martyrdom that's going on, especially like in Pakistan, is just awful right now. And, well, Christians suffer, therefore uh, we're going to suffer in the tribulation. But the tribulation is like the flood. It's a totally separate time period where God pours out his wrath. You read that Jesus, when he takes the scroll, which is the deed to the earth, and he opens the yep. first seal that releases the Antichrist, and that's the first seal judgment on, on the earth. It comes from God, and God says we are to be spared from his wrath. Yep. You can read it in Ephesians 5.8. Let no one deceive yep. you with empty words, for because of such thing, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Not the obedient. We're talking about those whose wrath is coming on the disobedient, those who continue to reject Jesus. Then we read in Romans 5.9, since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? So those who are justified by his blood, those who are saved, will be saved from God's wrath. Colossians 3.4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And there are other verses like that. First Thessalonians 1.10 and 5.9 and oh, Revelation 3.10, the best. This is talking yeah. about the church of Philadelphia, the true church, the one that God only had good things to say to says, since you have kept my command, endure patiently, I will also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come to the whole world to test those who live on the earth. So God repeatedly, again and again in the Bible, makes a clear case that the church is exempt from the tribulation and that we will be raptured or taken up to heaven, and we will avoid that time period. We will avoid God's wrath. Now, there will be many, many, multitudes, uh, Revelation says, more than people can count from every tribe, tongue, and nation that will be coming to Jesus as Savior during the tribulation. But they have missed their chance to be included in the rapture, and they have to live in that world because of their continuing disobedience at that time. But for the church, yeah. the bride of Christ, and are you married, Phil? Yeah. Did you beat up your wife for seven years before you married her? Nope. No. I'm sir, I didn't, I'm pretty sure I didn't beat up my wife, too. She's a great woman, and if I beat her up even once, she never would have married me. Picture God... Yeah beating up the church for seven years before he thinks that she's worthy to marry him. I mean, that's an insane concept. So the idea that, that God needs to, to Jesus is particularly needs to beat up his church for seven years in a tribulation to purify it so that it can be finally with him is just nonsense. So I think the bulk of the weight of the Bible supports a pre-tribulation rapture. Yeah, and uh, Jesus said on the cross that it is finished. And, uh, uh, of course, uh Jesus in the Word of God has put out uh, His Word that we should keep His commandments uh, uh, and truly we be His disciples and follow His will, and He is to be Lord of our lives. 
uh, yeah, that you, yeah, in this case, yeah, that the Bereans follow, they sought what was in the Bible daily uh, so they can follow the Lord by the Spirit. But uh, a lot of times what we, uh, what we, what we hear is that, uh, you know, we, we need to be, like you said, purified. But in Luke 21, verse 34 to 36, he says, pray that you'll be counted worthy to escape. Mm-hmm. And yeah, how do you escape it, unless you, you're raptured? Yeah, exactly. And just like we, in, in uh, Philip, the Church of Philadelphia, uh, for, um, we, I'm going to keep you out of the, the things that are the coming. The, the, the test, you use the word test. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's, they say, well, what about the first part of the tribulation period? Well, the Antichrist is beginning his reign, and he's beginning his um, deception. So trust me, just him being there just to deceive um, is, is, part, is, is part of the, the testing that's coming upon the world. And um, people believe that this is going to be a, a three and a half years of peace. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Antichrist is going to have it, uh, uh you know, it's peaceful enough, but at the same time, there may be some things happening at that time. As a matter of fact, let's talk about the Antichrist. Um, Nikolai Sarkozy uh, created back in 2009, in July, a um, union called the Mediterranean Union, which um, I believe is the beast uh, coming out of this. And the reason why I believe it, one of the stupid reasons why I believe it is because nobody's talking about it. Um, uh, I, I believe that the, the, the Mediterranean Union uh, circumferences the old Roman territory. Um, it has, the, it has uh, Africa, um, it has the European Union, and it also has the uh, Middle Eastern uh, Union. Uh, and I also believe that the Antichrist, the reason why they call him Little Horn, uh, is because Syria and Isaiah 17 was taken out. And, and truly, I'm pretty sure Israel went after their leadership, and, and they needed a new leader. So, unfortunately, the globalists picked the wrong character, but they didn't know it at the time. Uh, and he comes to power, uh, taking over, it says he should uproot three. And, and this is, I guess, speculation, but the, the three could be um, something to do with the, the, the regions of the Middle East. Maybe he... They put him in charge of the Middle East sector. I don't know. I'm just taking a guess. Um, the Bible calls him the Assyrian, um, which could be still Lebanon and a part of Iraq, but I'm believing it's reason why it's from Damascus being taken out. Uh, what do you think about all this? The little scenario I just gave you. Uh, what do you give me your scenario? How this this thing is going to work out? Sure, sure. Uh, I tend to believe that the Antichrist will his origins are based on the verse in Daniel that talks about the people who destroy the temple, that's who the Antichrist will arise out of. So uh, okay. that was clearly the Romans, and uh, you can get really detailed into exactly what uh, legions and who made up those legions, but clearly the people yeah. in charge was issued from Rome. So I do believe that the Antichrist will arise out of uh, the U- European Union. Like you said, the European Union is uh, suffering and stumbling, and most likely will have to do a, a Mediterranean Union. If if you take this line 
of prophetic fulfillment, then you could start seeing a picture. Okay, the next thing to happen most likely would be a Psalm 83 scenario where Israel has to deal with its surrounding nations. We're talking about Lebanon, Syria, Jordan, Egypt, and we know these nations are extremely hostile to Israel, and to get safety in Gaza too, they're going to have to subjugate them and control them. Once they do that, that opens up their territory so much larger, and they start getting into becoming a powerhouse more so than they are then. The next thing you read is Ezekiel 38 and 39, the Gog-Magog battle, where where God pulls the leader of Rosh, which uh, translates Russia, Russia, Iran, Turkey, Syria, and we're seeing all the, those connections, especially with Syria and Tur- Turkey just in the last year, and Russia, and, and we know even today, Russia and Iran, they're you know, putting the fuel in the nuclear reactor today, so they're very close, very tight. They will be drawn down to the plunder Israel. There's the wealth of Israel they'll want, and God will supernaturally destroy them. So what you're taking out then is you're taking out all the players in the Middle East and North Africa. You're taking out yeah. Russia, which is a major powerhouse. That leaves the United States, Europe, and China, and some of the other, uh, we'll call them the kings of the East. And so those are the main powers. Of course, there are some nations in uh, South America and South uh, Africa that are strong, but not world powers. So that leaves a vacuum. Here you've got the Antichrist coming out of Europe. He wants to solidify his initial um, empire. So he makes a peace treaty, and we know from Daniel 9.20, and 27 that that covenant with Israel that peace treaty with Israel is the beginning of the seven year tribulation and it even says seven we know for one seven so seven years so then the Antichrist will use that peace time while Israel is comfortable and, and it's a world power and it's got all that oil all of a sudden that he will can't conquer the rest of the world most likely the other Muslim nations because the heart of Islam will be ripped out of the world when Jesus or God to most people we know Jesus behind will win victoriously, and so Islam will lose its faith. And so the Antichrist will subjugate the other Islamic nations, and his local empire of the EU and the Mediterranean Union will well, excuse me, grow into a solid Mediterranean Union and eventually a world empire. I don't think the United States and North America will be players. I think the rapture will, will plunge the United States. We'll lose a good 10 to 20% of our population, and we'll plunge the United States where they can't be a world power anymore. Again, leaving the EU and the Antichrist as he builds an empire, in the kings of the east. And we know that during the tribulation, the Antichrist spends most of his time killing. I mean, even in the first few years, he destroys a quarter of the world population in war and the result famine and pestilence. And so and we get near the end of the tribulation, he's scared about what reports he hears from the kings of the east. We know China and all, they're sick of his empire, and they come in and try to conquer him, and that's Armageddon, and that's all destroyed. So I believe, the, to answer your question summary, the Antichrist comes out of Europe, he makes a treaty with Israel. He subjugates the rest of the uh, uh, Mediterranean Union and then the rest of the world. He has uh, control over it, and his empire becomes a real short empire with ten regions over the entire earth. I, I firmly believe where the Bible says, whole earth, the whole earth, the whole earth, the entire earth, yeah. he means the whole earth. There's some people argue, well, you know, the Antichrist is just going to rule the Middle East. But it says the whole earth and all the terrible disasters that happen happen to the whole earth, not just the Middle East. So his empire will be worldwide, but it will be not a peaceful empire. It will be a time of constant war from beginning to end. Yeah. Let me um, ask you a question. Um, and uh, I, I'm thinking, um, 
uh, the, you know, what made me what made me think about this is the 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 Bashir uh, reactor sort of made me think about all of this. Uh, I um, am thinking now that a lot of Bible teachers um, are sort of stretching the time. And what I mean by that is making the time longer. Uh, with with um, Psalms 83 and um, Isaiah 17 and Ezekiel 38 and 39, um, when I'm reading uh, those three, they sort of connect. Uh, I just learned about Psalm 83, to tell you the truth, about a year ago, a year and a half ago, so I wasn't really paying attention to that. But these these, these uh, prophecies seem to interlock, um, and you can almost read them and then draw up a scenario. But here, here's what I was looking at. Um, instead of, and I'm not saying that it could happen next year, it could happen two years, three years, four years, five years down the line, but whenever Jesus Christ gets ready to come back, prior to the Antichrist reign, and at the time of the rapture of the church, the, my first question is, do you believe that it's going to be total chaos at that time, given the Antichrist a, a, a platform to rise up on? Do you believe that, because um, if you read Isaiah 17, uh, I'm sorry, if you read um, Ezekiel 38, if you notice that it's saying that they dwell safely, it didn't say anything about peacefully. After they get done, after they get done kicking the um, border and nations' butts, I'm pretty sure they're going to think they're safely dwelling. Um, and, and, and if you read the news, the walls of there's walls coming down, and they're discovering oil. So those two things right there that came out of Ezekiel 38 and 39 just over the last two weeks. So my point is this, and I'm kind of drawing it out, but my point is this. Three, do you believe that all of these three events can happen in a very short period of time, giving the Antichrist a better platform? Because I don't see any reason why uh, Psalms 83, they have to be a long year and a half, a two-year wait between Isaiah, um, Psalms 83, Isaiah 17, and uh, Ezekiel 38 and 39. Well, I, mean, I, I think it can happen very quickly. Oh, I agree. There's, there, there, the Ezekiel 38 and 39 gives us five general timing clues so we can understand when that's going to happen. Uh, Ezekiel in 38.8 and 38.16 talk about the latter years and the last days. So there we go. We know that in the latter years or the last days, the Bible talks about it's the end times. It's the time as we're getting close to Jesus' return. So we know that it, uh, the Gog-Magog battle that we're talking about has to happen then. We also have to look at how the coalition that's been grouped together uh, will be destroyed. You know, it says that they, they will be destroyed on the uh, hills of Israel, and they will be destroyed supernaturally, and it will take seven years for to bury the dead. And that has never happened in history. So it hasn't happened yet. This is a future thing. A third general time clue is that the Jews need to be gathered from the whole world back into their country. And they're continuing to do that. I don't think it's found its total fulfillment yet, but Ezekiel 36, 24 says from all the countries. So we know that yeah. that's happened, and that's what makes Israel, like we said in the beginning of our talks, that Israel coming back to land is so important because it gives you that, that major general time and clue for Ezekiel 38 and 39. The fourth yeah. clue is that 
the nations have to have some reason to want to attack Israel, and they have to be united against that. And those nations have never been united. But now with Islam and with oil, there are two major factors that are making them united against Israel. And the fifth one is Ezekiel 38.11, where it talks about, uh, you will say, I will invade a land of unwalled villages. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls and without gates or bars. And Israel today lives without gates and bars around. Now, they do have this very long wall that goes along the Palestinian territory to keep them out. So there is a big wall there, but specifically Ezekiel is saying that there's walls around the cities. Now, if you were Ezekiel, you're a guy who the only defense your city had back in those days was to put a big wall around it, maybe a moat. You know, that was almost even all the way up to the medieval times, uh, which is kind of cool. I wouldn't mind a moat around my house. But, uh, you know, he must have looked at the modern cities and said, oh, my goodness, they're totally unprotected. They have no walls around them or anything. So in Ezekiel's mind, I could see that he would look at that and say, okay, Israel is, feels like they're peaceful behind their army, that they are have no walls, and that they meet these preconditions. Some will argue that they don't meet the preconditions because they aren't living without fear of attack, which I can't imagine Israel in the last 2,000 years ever feeling they're going to live without fear of attack unless the Antichrist provides them some kind of protection that would make them feel that way. We don't know. So um, Philip Goodman suggested this. I know our ministry particularly, our our, uh, director, Dr. David Reagan, believes that to meet the preconditions of the seven years that it will take Israel to bury all the dead and the middle of the tribulation, three and a half years into Antichrist, will desecrate the temple and the Jews will flee into the wilderness, most likely Jordan, which gives support to Psalm 83 that they would control Jordan. And so they wouldn't be able to burn their weapons. Therefore, Psalm 83 has, and Ezekiel 38 and 39 have to happen be, about three and a half years before the tribulation begins. And that's his argument. Philip Goodman argues that the Jews can take all those weapons with them and continue to burn the fuel supplies, maybe the fuel out of the tanks. Uh, maybe the some of the Russian tanks actually burn. It's magnified. It's called lignocyte, and it can burn them. So it's up to translation. It's up to detail. And he also thinks that Psalm 83 leads just immediately into Ezekiel 39. Me particularly, I, I believe that... Um, Psalm 83 could happen while the churches are here, and we've seen many wars with Israel and its surrounding neighbors in the past, but the utter defeat of them could buy them a year or two or whatever before Ezekiel 38 and 39. But, and this is the big thing about Ezekiel 38 and 39 that's different than Psalm 83, and that is is that God will let the nations know that he is protecting Israel. People will know that God, it's a supernatural return of God into the public mind of the people. And that is exactly one of the things that the tribulation is all about, to regather Israel back in the land and force them to acknowledge God and then Jesus as their Messiah, and for the Messiah to fight for his believing remnant and to pour wrath on the world. That's what the tribulation is about, those three things. So I could see Psalm 83, maybe a little bit of time of peace, Ezekiel 38 and 39, and the Gog-Magog battle, and then the Antichrist, rises up because you know when you devastate all that oil fields and the whole world goes in chaos we're looking at economic collapse and what is the thing that Rahm Emanuel said recently that everyone's been repeating never let a crisis go to waste I think that's what's what's going to push the antichrist he's going to use a crisis of for one the rapture and the world in chaos economic chaos and then worldwide war chaos will come on the scene. We'll say, hey, me and the EU, we're going to bring you peace. 
put me in charge right now so I can control it. Hey, Israel, stop aggressing on everybody. We're going to make peace with you. And the bird will think, oh, good, peace with God, too. We want to attack us. And they'll give the Antichrist, hey, I'm going to deal with this Muslim problem, finish conquering those nations and defeat them. And then he just keeps going and defeats the rest of the world. So it, it happened like a domino effect, one, two, three, very quickly, with some breathers in between. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that is true. Uh, the um, church, the church, uh, the condition of the church, just before the rapture of the church, uh, there is a, uh, when you read uh, Revelations chapter 3, you, you notice the church of Philadelphia who's addressing them, and he's also addressing the church of Laodicea. Uh, tell, tell, tell the audience uh, uh, the condition of the church prior to um, him coming. And I mean, in the, in, in, as far as the illustration of the, re, the wheat and the tares, uh, the true remnant and the, and the, and the false remnant, um, and how, how the church will look just before the overall thing, how it will look before the rapture of the church comes. Sure. Well, clearly the when we talk about the letters to the churches, and this is Jesus writing letters to different churches that were physically in Turkey or Asia Minor at the time, each church had a personality to it. Uh, we know Ephesus was uh, very legalistic. And Smyrna was persecuted. Pergamum was liberal. Thyatira was pagan. Sardis was dead spiritually. Philadelphia was alive spiritually. And Laodicea was just apathetic about all it is. Now, those were definitely... Uh, churches at the time, but when you look through church history, and we can look back over the last 2,000 years, that the, each personality of those churches also reflected the time period. Like, for instance, uh, the legalistic church of Ephesus. Uh, it clearly was a time where people were trying to follow the rules and the law, much of the Old Testament law. The early church was trying to figure out how did that apply to the New Testament. And so from 30 A.D. to 95 A.D., we see Ephesus as a, a very legalistic church. Uh, Smyrna, if you look at uh, the, the intense persecution under the Romans, and you can look at that time period and say, oh, 95 A.D. to about 312 A.D. when Christianity finally overcame the Roman system. That's represented by the church of Smyrna. Pergamum was a very liberal church. If you look at 312 to 590, uh, it didn't care about doctrine anymore. They embraced uh, spiritualizing the gospel so that pretty soon the priests then became... The, God, because they decided what the Gospels and the Bible were saying. Uh, and that led to Thyatira, the pagan church. They eventually let every group into the church. And you look at it, that's the whole medieval time period, 590 to 1517 A.D. Uh, look yeah. at Sardis, which was the dead church. When you have a pagan church, there's no church left, and it became dead. And you look between 1517 and 1750, Sardis uh, was a spiritually dead church that just existed on formality alone. But Look at 1750 to 1925, the Church of Philadelphia. That was the life. That's a church that went out and spread the gospel throughout the entire planet like it was nobody's business. It was out there. But then we had the uh, School of Higher Criticism come in around 925. People started really doubting the Bible. Uh, today, postmodernism has taken over. Uh, people have the, as the Bible says, have the form of godliness but deny its power. And so that is the Church of Laodicea, 1925 today. And listen to what Jesus says to that church. He says, you say that I am rich, I have become wealthy and have need of nothing. But Jesus says to them, you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. And that truly is the way the church is today. Now, overall, I, 
Boy, there are revivals going on in Africa that make Billy Graham crusades look small, especially in Nigeria right now. The Christians yeah. are coming to, to the Lord in hundreds of thousands every day. So the gospel wow. is still marching across the planet. But for those of us who are the, the gospel is swept through, we're looking at a very apathetic church, a very sad church, who thinks we've got, I mean, we've got our fancy buildings, we're very comfortable, we have Bibles all over the house, we, we think we've got it. But Jesus says, no, you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and you are spiritually dead. And we look at many churches today, and they're getting the Joel Osteen-type fluff, and not the meat of the spirit that, say, the Puritans, when they settled this country, would dive in every day and just study. And as King David said, I, I uh, meditate on your word day and night. These people meditate on the word day and night in the Church of Philadelphia. Today, crack open the Bible, maybe if we bring it to church, and we just aren't taught the gospel like we were. So definitely, we are in the last stage of the church, the Church of Laodicea, which the Lord says, I will spit you out because you're neither hot nor cold. You're like a lukewarm burrito. I just don't want to eat you. And he spits it out, and uh, <laughs> that brings us to the end of the church age. Yeah, and, and, and when the word says that uh, uh, judgment should begin in the house of the Lord, uh, I, I have never heard anybody really put it this way, but uh, Jesus had addressed um, tribulation and post-preacher probably um, the uh, uh, separation he says, leave him alone, but let the weak grow with the tears. Because I'm going to separate that on this time. And he, he's probably um, talking about the rapture of the church, but he's also talking about the end of the age when he separates the weak from the tares. Uh, so, well, so when the Bible says judgment should begin in the house of the Lord, uh, and, and when people say, and I'm not trying to get back to the rapture, but I'm trying to say, uh, when people say that uh, we need to go through a, cleansing, well, if you're part of the church system and you are uh, not walking with God, but you're, you're there punching a clock or, you know, punching a ticket, or you're, you're there trying to pay your dues uh, to God, um, then uh, you're going to get a surprise when <laughs> uh, millions of people vanish off the face of the earth and you're still here. And the reason why I'm saying that is because it, it's a the rapture of the church is a purifying hope. Um, and, and when we know it's coming and when we know it's near, we should um, purify ourselves. And, and by, what did Jesus say? By me, go try them in the fire. Uh, come to Jesus um, with, a, with a humble heart. Because the, the word says that he resists the problem, lifts up the humble. Come to him with a heart, uh, with a with a, a soft heart, and and he is supposed to be the Lord of your life, and that is why the Bible says that um, narrow is the way uh, that leads to life, and many there be that uh, find uh, few there be that find it, but wide and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And he also says in Hosea chapter 4 that my people perish for lack of knowledge is also distorted knowledge. So getting back to what you just said, uh, we don't pick up our Bibles and we let a preacher tell us what's going on every Sunday uh, afternoon, but throughout the week we never pick up our Bible. Uh, that would be a good diet, you know, brother. That would be an awesome diet is if we treat food the way we treat the Word of God. Because then we would, eat on, we would eat on Sundays and we won't eat the rest of the week. And we will be eventually either dead or really skinny pretty soon. 
<laughs> well, amen. Think think about a, a professional football team uh, here in Dallas. It's all Cowboys and Longhorns. But uh, picture a professional football team never bothering to pick up their playbook. I mean, what kind yeah. of season would they have, you know? And as Christians, the Bible is our playbook on life. It has the answers we're seeking. And, you know, those questions that people ask, why do I exist? Why am I here? What is my purpose in life? The, the people that don't have Christ or Savior are always asking those questions. But Christians yeah. have those answers. We were created by God to live with him forever in perfect fellowship. We were created yeah. to be put on this earth in this time to do good works for him. We have a future that will go forever and ever and ever in this short time. And to get to know our Savior, we're going to spend eternity with God. We better get to know him. So, yeah, meditate on the Bible day and night. Understand him. Uh, we're having a conference on October 22nd, 23rd here in Dallas called Future Hope. You go to our uh, website, myfuturehope.com, and find out about it. And what we want to do is share that hope that the Bible gives us, the, the rapture of the church, the millennial kingdom, uh, heaven, and what that's like, so that people understand that, that Bible prophecy, which can tend to focus on the gloom and doom and the, the horrible stuff of the tribulation, we will address that, and we will address hell. But we want to give them the hope that Jesus gives us. The rapture is the hope. Yeah. Jesus' victory over his enemies, both uh, at the end of the tribulation and the end of the millennial kingdom, gives us hope. In eternity where we're with God forever, in perfect bliss, where eternity is so amazing that the Bible says we can't even comprehend what it's going to be like. It's so amazing. Yeah. I mean, that, yeah. that is something that we can read in the Bible. I mean, we, I think some people get the idea that the Bible is just full of do's and don'ts and lists of genealogies, and so the Bible yeah. sits there and rots. They find uh, watching the daytime soaps or, or American Idol is far more interesting than the Bible, but the Bible tells us how to live. Our, half the problems we have in our lives, man, wouldn't even be in our lives. If yeah. we read the Bible, and, oh, I'm not supposed to cheat on my wife, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> you think how much problems that saves. If you read your Bible, you know what to do. Plus the Holy Spirit's yeah. in us. Uh, people have consciousness. So, yes, the Bible is an exciting adventure to read because it tells us about how much Jesus loves us, the extent to which Jesus is trying to get us back to him, and the future that he plans with us throughout all eternity, which is, is so amazing that we couldn't even comprehend it. Yes, indeed, yes, indeed. And um, tell, tell, tell the people out there um, how they can have a relationship with the creator of the universe. <laughs> well, if you look back into the uh, Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve had a perfect relationship with God. They talked with him. They walked with him. They saw him. There was perfect fellowship. There was nothing between them that kept them apart. But when Eve and Adam chose to sin, when Satan rebelled against God and sin came to the earth, then all of a sudden there was that hard feelings, that rebellion. Man became impure before a pure God. So here's God with his creation. He spent who knows how long planning it, and it took six days to make it. And here we are with this wonderful creation, these people that he meant to spend eternity with, but they don't want to spend it with anymore. They won't obey him. They won't follow the rules that he set down to help them live well and not die and have a better life. So Jesus, before even all this, knew that he had to die. A perfect man had to die so that we might know Jesus and God as Savior, so we might be cleansed and purified. So Jesus, who was pure, died on the cross and took the punishment of death because 
even one sin, and we've all sinned at least once. We've always done at least one act of rebellion against God, even thoughts like thinking lustfully of other people, Jesus says is sin. And when we have those thoughts and those lusts, we sin against God and we are, fall under his judgment. God is a God of love, but he's also a God of justice. And as long as we aren't forgiven of those sins, God's wrath remains on us. And that is God's wrath, which we were talking about the tribulation, but we're all talking more importantly, hell, the second death, and there is a hell. At the end of history, there will be what's called the great right throne judgment, and all those who did not accept God's provision of salvation, Jesus Christ, they will be judged on their works, and their works will not be enough, because works will not make a person pure, and they will end up going to hell, and hell is an awful purse of burning and loneliness and suffering. That was meant originally for Satan as angels, but when man sinned, we became that. So, for all the folks out there who haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, he is your life raft. And picture a boat coming up, and you're stuck in the middle of the ocean, and there's sharks around you, and you're drowning, and you call out to that boat, help, 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 and someone on the boat throws you a lifeline. You grab that lifeline. That's your only yeah. chance to be free out of that water. You don't bat it aside and say, hey, I wish that was a blue life preserver instead of a pink one or you know, uh, isn't there multiple life preservers you can throw out, like many people say about religions? No, you grab that lifeline, and that lifeline is Jesus Christ. The only way to God, as Jesus said in John 14:6. So I, I pray, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, ask him, say, Dear Lord, please forgive me of my sins and be my Savior. And Jesus, in turn, will make you a brand new person. You'll have a whole new life with Christ. That fellowship will be restored. You'll be taken to heaven and given a new body one day that is totally pure and can stand before God again, and that fellowship is restored. And that's what God is doing. You want to know why there's all these thousands of years of human history? It's because God is taking out a harvest, a group of people that choose to be with God forever and to spend it with him. And I ask if you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior to choose God, ask for Jesus to be your Savior, you'll never regret it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That is true. That is uh, true. That's the, one of the w most wonderful uh, messages of uh, creation, of the whole universe. There's nothing out there that uh, there's no uh, money, there's no uh, uh, woman or, or, or job that can bring you satisfaction like walking with Jesus. Um, and through the midst of the storm, there's peace because we have our faith in the one true God, Jesus Christ. Uh, and he has come on the earth to die for our sins because his father did that. And, and he is speaking out someone right now that will worship him in spirit and in truth. Uh, I thank you so much, brother. I would love to get you on in the near future especially to talk about um, the possibility of things exploding still uh, within weeks or within the time, uh, maybe within a year or two. But um, Students, the Bible uh, were really looking towards this week. I mean, it looked close this week. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of people are looking away now because the, the reactor thing uh, it's not going to be blew up, but the thing is, I, what I wanted to talk to you about is uh, what I had said when the show first came on, is that uh, I, uh, Iran is with Russia coming down. They're not crippled because it says Persia. Persia, Persia, Persia is a strength. 
Persia, Persia is, is, is strong coming down, so evidently Israel didn't really do anything to them. So, um, they, is Iran making a nuclear weapon, shipping it down to Damascus to be launched for closer range, and then Israel yeah. being forced to destroy Damascus in one day, which yeah. is still Isaiah 17 and Jeremiah 49. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I want to get you back on real quick if you can. And I'll email you and let you know when, uh, or ask you if you can do it. But God bless you. Well, God bless you too, man. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we are uh, going to uh, be coming on tomorrow. We're going to have uh, L.A. Mauzuli on um, the show. I'm looking for my switchboard so I can go off. <laughs> I can't find my switchboard. Uh, it's on some one of my computers, so, so I'm not going to have a theme song. But God bless everybody out there. Um, uh, and y'all, tune in tomorrow at 7 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. We're going to have L.A. Marzulli. He's going to talk about his um, books. Uh, so God bless everybody out there, and y'all have a wonderful day.